coming up on Philosophy Talk. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? What is a lottery? It's a way of distributing important benefits based on random chances. Is this a game of chance? Not the way I play it, no. Why use a lottery instead of looking at the facts about what people deserve? Life is one big lottery. The genetic lottery. The academic lottery. The good looks lottery. The love lottery. He's lucky. I'm lucky. We're all lucky. Are lotteries inherently fair? Our guest is Peter Stone from Stanford University. The luck of the draw. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KAOW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, the luck of the draw. Lotteries, life, and justice. Ken, lotteries are for suckers. A state like California that funds its schools, health services, prisons, that kind of stuff, through a confidence game like the lottery ought to be ashamed of itself. But state lotteries isn't the topic, John. Think of jury pools or the draft lottery. In ancient Greece, many political offices were filled by lot. Life itself is, in a way, a big natural lottery. Who your parents are, how wealthy they are, whether they're Christian or atheist, it's all just the luck of the draw. Well, lotteries, for those intelligent purposes, make more sense. I always thought that college admission should be partly decided by lottery. Really? Why? I mean... Elite colleges like Stanford are trying to admit the smartest, most well-prepared students they can. That's why they pour over transcripts and personal statements and look so closely at all the amazing extracurricular activities that uh, would-be students have engaged in. A lottery would ignore all that and choose students at random. That's just the point. An admissions lottery would save Stanford lots of work and save students from wasting time and energy and passing up a chance to relax for a few minutes in high school, compiling an and instead use that time to compile an impressive list of, of largely irrelevant accomplishments. And it would, it would just be more fair. More fair? The current system is based on merit. How could a random choice be more fair than a merit-based system? Uh, the current system is based on merit only up to a point. You have the grades, you have some objective tests, uh, then a bunch of fake markers. Instead of inventing fake markers for further merit, we should narrow down the pool to a certain size based on its objective merit and then decide at random. We would do just as well, if not better, in choosing our freshman class. And the whole admissions process would be more just, more fair, less frenzied. Well, John, you seem to be advocating some kind of general principle. There's something like when two people are equally deserving of some scarce good, a lottery is the fair way, maybe the most fair way, to decide between them. Well, that seems to me on the right track. Think of the beginning of a football team. Neither team has a better claim to kick or receive or take one end of the field rather than another. So they toss a coin. Well, look, if fairness is all there is to it, well, why don't you like state lotteries then? I mean, everybody's got equally slim chances of winning and equally great chances of losing. Well, state lotteries are a different matter. They're, they're distributing a burden that should be equally shared. States lack the guts to tackle their citizens adequately. So they run a confidence scheme and lure the most vulnerable, least able 
to pay citizens, that is the citizens least able to pay, in the paying the freight for public goods. That's, that's just plain wrong. Uh, I'll try a thought experiment, thinking about taxation and lotteries. Suppose the state was going to decide tax rates on the basis of a lottery. Everybody has to pay something, but whether you pay a lot or a little, that depends on, on the lottery. Would that be a fair way to decide tax rates? Uh, of course not. You, you've managed to find something even more absurdly unfair than the lottery. Well, okay, you're right. So lotteries don't always work. But what about the what, what about life's and sort of natural lotteries? We don't get to choose our parents or their education and income level. We don't get to choose whether we're good-looking or ugly. We're just dealt a hand, sort of, and to some extent we have to play the cards we're dealt. Is that fair or unfair? Well, some in some of these situations, we I guess we think it, it is fair because we've decided the fair and just thing to do is to try to ameliorate or undo the effects. We have public schools so that everybody has a more or less equal share of chance of getting a quality education, independently of how wealthy their parents may be. Then again, we, we don't really think the state should try to undo the effects of the looks lottery. Right, so I'm stuck, right? This is, uh, this is kind of complicated stuff. I mean, sometimes lotteries seem like very fair ways of distributing a good, maybe the most fair way. Sometimes they seem absurdly unfair. Sometimes we think the fair thing to do is redeal the cards initially dealt out by lottery. You know, there must be some general philosophical principles that will help us decide when a lottery is called for and when it isn't. Uh, there's probably too many general philosophical principles. They all disagree. But to help us explore these general philosophical issues, we, we will be joined by someone we didn't choose by lot, but by expertise. And that's Peter Stone from Stanford University, who knows all about lotteries and justice. We'll start our conversation with Professor Stone by asking, asking him just how extensive the use of lotteries is in our society. Then we'll turn to questions of justice and fairness. When is it right to distribute a scarce good by means of a lottery, and when is it wrong to do so? And we'll close by exploring the use of lotteries in politics. Would we make better public choices if we chose at least some public officials or decided some public issues by the lot? Yeah, well, it seems unlikely we could do worse. If you'd like to join the conversation, our number is 1-800-525-9917. That's 1-800-525-9917. But before we plunge into this, our roving philosophical reporter, Judy Napolin, is going to explore an area where scarce goods are often distributed by lottery, the low-income housing pool. She files this report. On a sunny afternoon in San Francisco, a local nonprofit center hands out bags of free groceries to seniors. They sit playing crosswords and chatting, eagerly awaiting their numbers to be called. The Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center is no stranger to calling out numbers. They distribute everything from free food to places to live. My name is Shannon Dodge, and I'm a project manager in the housing program at Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center. The center develops affordable housing for low-income residents citywide. When they first started building apartments, they wanted to give neighborhood people the best chance. So they gave out units on a first-come, first-served basis. Applications were accepted beginning at 7 a.m. on a Monday morning, but they started lining up on Sunday, the day before, at around 2 p.m. And ultimately, we felt like that wasn't a fair process. It wasn't fair to people who are seniors or disabled or people who just can't um, get time away to spend on the sidewalk. No one should have to do that to access housing. So since then, we've always used a lottery process. Dodge remembers a slum taken over and remodeled for a lottery. 69 vacant apartments were open to low-income people. We got 969 applications from 
single homeless adults who wanted a stable place to live. And so we had um, a public lottery. We had a big um, orange wire drum. So you could see as we turned the drum, all the pre-applications um, turning around inside it and getting mixed up. And then we asked different people to take turns and pull um, pre-applications out of the drum and read off the names at the top. And then we created a list that was in order of um, the names that were pulled. And some people got up and cheered. It was really wonderful when someone was in the room and heard that they were one of the first names called. It was very exciting. The center's been holding these lotteries for 12 years. These days, the process takes several hours and they only call three or 400 names. Most of them will go on a wait list. Someone could be on a wait list from six months to eight years. David Ortega works for the management company overseeing the apartments. So it depends on the um, turnover rate for the property, people moving in and out. It is affordable housing, so a lot of people do not want to move out because of the rents are so low. Some people need low rent more than others, so why not go through the files and rank the applicants? It's not impossible. I mean, everyone has their own opinion. Which is just the problem. Dodge says with the lottery system, you avoid the responsibility of making a judgment. I don't think it's for us to judge who's the most deserving. There's some kind of balancing act we have to do in the affordable housing world between you know, keeping in our hearts those stories of people struggling to get by on the one hand, and then the other hand being very, very even-handed and very allowing people equal opportunity and not um, giving preference to someone who has a heart-rending story over someone else who may not be able to articulate their cause as well. And the lottery system makes it hard to rally support for that cause. People aren't motivated to fight on behalf of a given affordable housing that's being proposed because they don't know whether they'll benefit from it or not because the lottery system means that their odds are pretty slim. I do think it's hard for people to take time out of their day and maybe go testify at the planning commission on behalf of a building where, you know, they they know they might have a 1 in 8,000 chance of getting a room there or getting an apartment for their family there. Why would you do that? It's not logical. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Julie Napolin. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.